announcement before today's show. If you're looking for a new podcast to listen to, I really recommend checking out Daring to Leap with Lori Phillip. Lori has left a successful 16-year career at a Fortune 500 company to bet on herself, follow her own heart, and create a bigger impact. Daring to Leap is a career empowerment podcast for women with a mix of career inspiration, self-development, practical advice, and stories of amazing women taking big leaps in their careers. One recent guest was a former burnt-out corporate executive who broke out of the gill and workaholicism syndrome to live her purpose as an energy healer and mindset coach. Tune in each week on Tuesdays to be inspired, to bet on yourself, to step into your own brilliance and leap into your life and career. You can listen to Daring to Leap on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all major podcast platforms. Make sure to check it out. And now, back to today's show. Welcome to today's episode of Work Life Harmonize. It's been a while, so we had to bring her back. It is our lovely Sonia. Hello, aloha, and welcome. Hi, hi, everyone. It is good to be back. So today's topic, in honor of answering listeners' questions, what's on their minds, what's in their hearts, and in this particular case, what's near and dear to their soul we have a we have a tough topic today. So what are we talking about today, Miss Sonia? Yeah, we uh, it is a tough topic. So if um, just want to put out a trigger warning for anybody that struggles with depression or postpartum or anything of that nature, um, if that is a trigger for you, this is a warning. This is you know maybe you're not in a good place right now. This isn't for you, or it's just not for you in general. That's totally fine, and we respect that but we will be talking a lot about postpartum depression and how common it is with women and uh, Dana's personal experiences with postpartum depression. So if that is something you would like to hear and like to listen to, please listen and, and then join us in this conversation. If that is something that is a little too heavy for you right now, no judgment, no problem. Join us next week where we're back to our usual happy fun times. (laughs) Yeah. And just remember ladies and gentlemen that are supporting ladies after down comes up and there are many incredible stories, including my own, which was featured in my first book about what is the outcome when you come through the other side of postpartum depression, one in 10 women suffer from it. It is still taboo, not very well known or understood or talked about in terms of that diagnosis and situation, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. And because I'm a coach and not a therapist, one other disclaimer, if you suffer from other types of mental health issues as women and ally men who are supporting those women, that is not what today's show about is about. We have many resources for you uh, in this world and we want everyone to get the help and support that they need. We mean that with true love. So if you are dealing with postpartum issues beyond the baby blues, this show is for you. It's for your loved ones, your caregivers, your support system. It takes a village. And in particular, if you have a severe form of postpartum depression, the way I did 23 years ago, hard to imagine it's been that long. There is a light at the end of the tunnel, and we'll talk about that. There are some interesting facts around this particular type of affliction 
and the hormone plunge and the hormone reset that helps women come through the other side. And unfortunately, the medical community doesn't always tell you that. It would be really nice 23 years ago if they said, hey, you may feel better real soon. Just let's work together and let's explore. We don't know what we're doing and you don't either. We're all really novice at this because 23 years ago, it was completely misunderstood. Now it's getting better. However, I would tell you from the women that I talked to in the other podcasts that I've been on where this has been the topic, it's still a very misunderstood and somewhat taboo scenario. So we're going to talk about that. And at the end of the show, and in particular in the show notes, we will provide links to the World Maternal Health Organization and the Postpartum Depression uh, Nonprofit Organization. There are many other types of organizations that support this particular situation. We will list some of them in the show notes in case you or a loved one listening needs support on this particular type of mental health issue. So that's a lot of stuff in the opening here. And, you know, if this episode's important to you, or you have a friend or a loved one dealing with this particular issue, we want you to share the show. We really ask you to become a subscriber to the show and to just really, really be in a safe space and place when you're listening to today's show. Even if you're like me and you went through it 23 years ago, it's in a way, in my opinion, Sonia, easier to talk about it now than even to listen to other people's stories. Cause it's just, it's very painful topic. So how, how would you like me to start today's explanation on what happened and how the light came and all of it? What are we doing? Um, so I think one, I think, you know, you kind of touched on this, but I want to make it really clear that postpartum is a taboo topic and yet extremely common. Um, if I remember my stats, right, one, every one in 10 women suffer from some form of postpartum depression, and there is this huge stigma around it. So where I would like to start with your story in particular, Dana, is the lead up. So when, you know, you, you don't have postpartum depression, you know, back then, 23 years ago, absolutely not. That's for, that's for, that's for different people. That's not for you. I kind of want to go through that kind of lead up when you were a little bit in denial about what was going on with, within your mind and within your body. Yeah. Um, And the deny and the things you, the lies you told, you kept telling yourself to get through it. Are you sure we didn't know each other back then? Sounds like you had a front row seat. Deep denial with a capital <laughs> D is for Dana. And no, Dana. but I've I've read your book, so I had, oh, a, right. I had a good good idea on where to start. Remember when we used to caveat for people when I would be doing trainings for companies and leaders? I'd say, now pages, I won't say it now in case you're reading the book and you don't want to know. There's a couple of pages in the middle of the book. And I'd say, when you get to those pages, just kind of like brace yourself why what's breath, gonna happen down. yeah <laughs> exactly. get the tissue it'll turn out okay I am here and you know sometimes we have to put humor into something that's how comedians make a living let's face it is uh making fun of their own situation otherwise you're under your desk with uh the fetal position sucking your thumb so okay denial wow 50 shades of denial uh I went back to work 
firstborn kid after eight weeks, instead of taking the 12 allotted weeks, even though I worked for a company based in Europe who would have given me more time, I was very type A, I was very high and overachieving. I was definitely in the throes of workaholicism. I was married to someone, no offense, not really working. I thought he was, he really wasn't, I would later learn. And so I had a lot of responsibility in addition to the persona I already, you know, exemplified of being a workaholic, which I wore like a badge of honor. So the denial was pretty deep. And so it went like this, A, I can go back to work in eight weeks. Of course, I've got this, of course. B, despite the amount of sickness in my body, to your point, which is a great question, my body was screaming at me, you're in trouble. I thought it was physical. So I did all the physical things. I had every test known to man and womankind. I had a bunch of different um, GI issues without being too descriptive. I mean, my stomach was a hot mess. I didn't even associate the fact that it could be stress. I was sure something was physically terribly wrong. In the postpartum um, doctor's visits, they ask you these questions. They have questionnaires about quote unquote baby blues. Oh, you're just a little down because your hormones have crashed. Oh, you're just a little down because breastfeeding is not going well at all. They don't say that, oh, let's add more denial around. Not only is breastfeeding not going well, you're really not producing enough milk and your baby is hungry and crying and you're not bonding. Like it was, it was like a form of torture. And if you ever read other people's stories or listen to other people talk about this topic, or you've been through it yourself, just know it is not your fault, women. If you breastfeeding doesn't work, you no one is going to not thrive on formula, especially the way formula is formulated, no pun intended today. Formula is perfectly fine. And if you are going to listen to this show and blow us up on DM about, you know, mother's breast is best and all that stuff, just know you probably not someone that couldn't breastfeed because it's very traumatic. So more denial on, you know, not being able to provide for my own daughter. Denial around the obsession I had with counting her ounces. I literally had papers everywhere where I was literally handwriting how many ounces she got, fractions of ounces, adding up the ounces, double checking, triple checking. It's interesting how it comes back, even though it's 23 years ago, it was very visceral. I mean, I was really in this tunnel vision of, I cannot provide for my baby. I have to provide for my household financially. And the final piece of denial was I had a pretty large team at work and I was in an international job. So it wasn't like I was going to ease back in or go part-time or zero to 50, then 50 to 75, then 75 to 100. I was going to go zero to 100. And I was completely unaware that the crash was coming. I was totally in deep, deep, deep denial. And bless my family and friends, what a great master I was of disguise because they didn't see it coming either. So there's the long answer to your question about the D in denial. So I remember when we were working on the book, which we haven't actually set the title off, shame on us, 
stop settling, settle smart, go get it on Amazon. And I remember you telling me this story and I just, there was such turmoil inside of you and the way you described it to me. And yet the only symptoms you had were physical. So you weren't necessarily having a break, you know, you weren't crying, you weren't having emotional meltdowns. You were just like, I'm sick. Something's wrong with my body. I'm sick. I'm sick. And it's a really interesting perspective on when you push those feelings so far down, either because they're difficult or because you think you can't have them or because it's too scary to even glance in that direction that and if you have that tendency, I do. And I think a lot of women do because we're always told that we're emotional. So we constantly check our emotions and we're constantly thinking I'm overreacting. I'm being overemotional. It's not valid. If you, if you're like that and you have that tendency and you start getting sick all the time, or you start having back pain or migraines and you never had them before, or you have stomach issues that you never had before. Like if you have a new symptom coming out, I, I mean, I, I can't guarantee a hundred percent, but I would bet a lot of money that you're probably dealing with some emotional issues and that should be your red flag to glance in the direction of those emotions and just take as much inventory as you're able to, that maybe it's not that you're eating the wrong foods. <laughs> Imagine women just blaming themselves for just eating too much fried food. Therefore, you know, they can't get out of bed. So it's good you bring this up and maybe shout out to the leaders listening to the show. And in particular, the male leaders, here's a good integration point. If you have postpartum moms on your team, offering them a safe, comfortable, quiet, private place to nurse if the baby is at the daycare next door in the same building or to pump, that's all great and that's lovely. That is like 101 table stake stuff. Talk to them if they are clearly not doing well in any way that you observe, whether it's mental, physical, emotional, spiritual. If you sense something, if you feel something, if you see something, if you're thinking something, pull them aside gently, quietly, and privately, and please just try to talk to them. They don't have to, that's their choice and they may not. And that's also their choice. Just the effort alone might make the difference because I will tell you as leaders who care deeply or you wouldn't listen to this show, you certainly wouldn't coach with someone like me that pushes the hell out of you to be better and to be your more authentic self and to be kinder. It's just the reaching out and the effort that makes all the difference. And If it's too much and they do break down or it's too much and they tell you something that you're not prepared to hear, just know it's okay to start the conversation and then to support them to get the help that they need. Most organizations have an EAP type of program, employee assistance program. It's okay to refer them there or to ask them if they'd be comfortable with HR or You may have a mental health benefit at work. Some companies are starting to use places like BetterHelp and give subscription access. Whatever it is from a wellness and a mental health and well-being perspective that you provide at work, the conversation might just make the difference because they can have someone safe to talk to. 
that cares, that notices. And even if you feel like you're incredibly close with your team, you aren't family. And I can tell you having come through the other side, at the time, and this is not a dig on the women I worked with, I was on an executive team with many, many, many women and almost no men. And they didn't notice. They were all workaholics themselves, many of which were moms, not all. And no one stopped to say, are you okay? How are you actually doing? Because if you look back to look forward, hindsight's always twenty twenty. And to your point, Sonia, wow, I had so many signs that were beyond physical. So many signs. I know for a fact I would stare off into space at my desk for hours a day, completely frozen, which is the exact opposite of my normal Tasmanian devil approach to work and life. Just mowing things down and seemingly unending. And back then I was a total workaholic. I didn't know what I know now about work-life harmony. And so if you are the leader and you've seen something or you notice something or something has shifted even slightly in particular with a postpartum parent coming back from leave, I urge you to have open conversations or at least give them the give them the ability to talk if they want to. And they don't have to talk to you. Just saying, hey, something seems off. I'm concerned. I care. Would you consider using our EAP program or whatever resources you're aware of? You could even say something to the effect of, have you considered talking to a friend? If they are even giving you a glimmer of, yeah, I'm not a hundred not a hundred percent. Most people are really looking for the answer I find in postpartum depression types of situations. And we're kind of on our own. We're already on our own in these dark feelings. We're already on our own in terms of the inadequacy most of us feel about not providing for our kids the way we really dreamt we would. Most of us uh, feel confused and baffled and dismayed and angry that we aren't in love with this newborn bundle of joy. It's not joyful if you have any degree beyond the quote unquote baby blues of postpartum depression issues. I mean, there's postpartum mania. I'm so blessed to have not gone that far. I went far enough, believe me. If you want to know more, read the book to Sonia's point. It got very, very bad. I looked for an out. And so when the physical takes over because of stress, it's easier for new moms many times to admit they're stressed than to admit they're having a severe mental health issue. Now, for me, the other piece that's probably important in case you're like me, I was not moody. I did not have period cramps growing up. I was completely sort of wired, I suppose, to deal with stuff. And so I had a pretty even keel in terms of my personality, my moods. I woke up pretty much the same. I went to bed pretty much the same most days. My highs weren't that high. My lows weren't that low. I was never a flat personality. I just wasn't very up and down. So if you're someone like that dealing with postpartum issues, I will tell you that's the other piece that can really send you into that 
deep denial about it's okay to go back to work right away. It's okay to shove it down and pretend I'm okay. It's it's perfectly okay to keep trying to nurse even though I can't make enough milk for the baby and we're both failing together. It's that shocking differential of I used to just kind of be okay all the time or most of the time at least. And now I'm not okay any of the time. And so masking it becomes this huge coat of armor that women put around themselves. And most of us, if we're willing, we do notice. So someone saying something with a tiny bit of kindness might just be what it takes to start the conversation. So had I known then what I know now, I I honestly know for a fact inside of myself, if anyone had even remotely suggested to me that what I was dealing with was way beyond baby blues, even my own OBGYN physician or midwife, I talked to all of them looking for physical answers, even the midwife, and she was fantastic. No one said to me, something is really up with you. We need to check it out until it got so bad. They ruled out so many physical things. Then we all realized together. And I was actually the one that figured it out through my research and reading. That's the kicker. I'm the one that actually brought it to the doctor. I brought it to the psychiatrist. He kept saying, this isn't supposed to happen to women like you. He literally was saying that because I was so, oh my gosh. I was so successful. Bless him. He was a really lovely man. I'll never forget him because he was this lovely Indian man on crutches. He had a severe issue as a child, something like not polio, but something very severe. So he didn't have great usage of his legs. So here's this person with his own disability in Silicon Valley coming from another country, having his own hard struggle. I really got to know him and he was lovely, but he was baffled by me because I wasn't a textbook case. And he's looking for what he called a major depressive disorder. And he's saying, that's not what this is. And I'm saying, I don't think so. I wasn't even moody. (laughs) I don't know that this, does it come on at 32? And I just happened to have had a baby and I feel like shit all the time. And when I brought him some of the research around this topic, he said, I I think you're right. And that's when, bless him, he sent me to an endocrinologist. And once we figured out what was actually going on with me, ironically, thank you to that endocrinologist and the Mayo Clinic where my blood work ended up going, because again, no one knew what the hell was going on. My pituitary gland basically stopped functioning. So in a way, yes, it was incredibly physical. However, the mental health affliction for three months was so severe, I did not want to live. Yeah, um, it's it's so crazy to me (laughs) that, I mean, you know, we, I don't know if we'll be showing the video for this recording or not, but if, you know, I'm like, you know, Dana's talking, I'm over here, like holding my head that, you know, when you hear phrases like people like you 
don't get this. It is the most, like, you're already gaslighting yourself constantly. And now you just got reassurance that, oh, no, you're not gaslighting. You're correct. You don't get this. And it excludes something that is so, you know, common, right? Back to what we were talking about at the beginning of the show. One in 10 women uh, suffers from some degree of postpartum depression. And the fact that that came up last instead of like number three on the list is it's 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 very infuriating yeah and when you are in it you just want to know what the fuck is wrong with me so for women listening and people supporting women listening or if you've been through before and you chose to listen to this show i assure you I promise you, I I have lived through it to come through the other side toward the light side of things. You are not alone. The chances of you getting through it are really, really, really strong because unlike what I learned through my research and through working with the right medical team, I had a whole team. The hormonal imbalance when it's severe eventually in in most cases of course does come back your body does re-regulate or self-regulate so when we finally figured out what i had and i was on the appropriate medications and i was altering my work schedule although they never knew it's what i had because i was i refused to tell them i was not going to tell them i was not going to be looked at as weak i mean i had all that baggage around stigma to your point earlier in today's show Uh, I woke up one day and I felt like myself and it was the craziest day of my life. So a lot of the research that is out there, or if you talk to other moms, I had found other moms in my community that had gone through it. One family visited me when I was in the hospital. It was a mom and a dad and two kids. And they brought me, now I'm trying not to cry. They brought me balloons And it was actually the dad that talked to me more than the mom. And they said, you know, if you are the common case, you're going to wake up one day and feel like yourself. And that is probably the most helpful thing because it's true. And it did happen. And I did wake up one day and I thought, is this just a, a, like, is this a special day or am I really myself again? Is it possible to go from that dark chamber? into something that feels like, oh, I remember her. And and that's how it happens. The other shout out challenge, I will tell you as women dealing with it, if you are through it or you've been through it or you have family history, you you have to talk about it. My mom had it and never told me. Had she told me, I might've done something different. I don't know. It would have been really helpful to know because it can be, in your genes. So if you talk about it and you share stories and wisdom and support each other, and you do come through it and you feel like yourself one day, just know if you are on medication of any kind, whether it is mental health type medication or endocrinology type medication, I was on all of it. I was on everything. You must 
work with your team to wean off that medication. You may not stop at cold turkey. That can cause a further crash. So major, major disclaimers on this show. Again, I am not a therapist. I'm what's known as a survivor of postpartum depression. And it is important that we have hard conversations and that we talk about tough topics. And in particular on this show, we spend a lot of time on work-life harmony and integration and leadership. This topic is about all of those things and more. It affects families, it affects communities, and most importantly, it affects you, you who are going through it in a way that is so hard and so tough just to know there is some light at the end of the tunnel might make all the difference between getting through it and not getting through it. I consider myself really, really, really lucky and fortunate to be here today talking about this 23 years later. I am also fortunate that you are here (laughs) talking about it 23 years later. And I just want to tack on um, it's important we talk about this not only to lessen the stigma, but depression, and as far as I understand it, postpartum depression, they make you feel isolated already. And it is to know that somebody else has gone through it lessens that deep feeling of isolation that you get when you are severely depressed. Knowing that you're not alone is a very powerful thing. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe that's a good way to wrap today's show, which is that Helen Keller quote that keeps coming back throughout my entire lifetime, which is alone. We can do so little together. We can do so much and we can. Yes, we can. That was heavy for today's show. Uh, Before I wrap us, Sonia, I want to thank you for hanging in there with me, just being supportive through this topic and asking clear questions and listening on behalf of listeners and being a voice as a partner here with me on all these years together. It really does make a difference. Moral support goes a hell of a long way, especially when you're talking about very deep topics and and hurtful, painful times like today's show. Oh, it's, it's my absolute pleasure. So from the bottom of my heart, I thank you. And we have some amazing shows coming up. So continue to stay tuned. If you want to talk more about this topic, you know where to find me, DM me. It's okay to talk about this topic on DM. It seems superficial. Maybe that's the best way for you to reach out. So it's not as, you know, in your face. It's not with video. It's a direct message. So Dana.Mahina on Instagram, Dana Mahina on Twitter. And Dana Mahina on LinkedIn, if you want to have conversations around this topic or even post your own story or tips on how you got through it or how you helped someone get through it, let's keep the conversation going. And until we meet again, Hawaii style, we say ahui ho. Ahui ho. Ete puare mua, ete puare